0: Uh, motivate our teenagers to bring other teenagers and I know that money's tight and so uh, here's the way I want to do this. We're going to give a $10 gas card or gift card, so you can use it for gas if you choose, to every teenager who goes and picks somebody up. If you go pick up more than one, we'll give you a $20 gift card. So that'll be given at the at uh, at when they do the pizza. So because I want you to bring teenagers, I want you to be intentional and uh, invite them and pray for them. And so uh, because I'm going to be hopefully my gun's going to be loaded, to speak metaphorically, and uh, we'll be ready to cast out some doubt next Sunday morning. And anybody anybody that will that has doubts will be helped if they come to this message next Sunday. So keep that in mind. So if you have your Bibles today, let's return to the 8th chapter of Romans where Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit he has described the man in Romans 7 as one who has made every effort to keep the law but failed. And Romans seven twenty four says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And in Romans 7, the word I... Is used nearly 30 times while the word while the Holy Spirit is not referred to at all, but maybe maybe once, but hardly at all, but I is used almost 30 times. Now, and just the opposite takes place in chapter 8, where the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 20 times. So the difference between the struggling. Wretched man of Romans 7 and the more than conqueror of Romans 8 is the Holy Spirit. Ron Dunn used to say that most Christians' lives are like an old bed spring. They're strong on both ends but weak in the middle. I think what he meant by that was They know they're saved, they got that down. They know they're going to be resurrected, they got that down. Strong on both ends, but in the middle, swaying, weakened. Well, the solution to that is what Paul refers to as the person of the Holy Spirit. And the key verse is going to be verse 11 for us Romans 8 11. if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies now notice that I don't think he's talking about the resurrection here he's not talking about an immortal body but Uh, at this point, but he's talking about the mortal body, the physical body. He will give life, that is, he will quicken, he will illumine the mind, he will energize you, uh, he will create passion for God and for his word, he gives life to your mortal body through the spirit who dwells in you. Uh, We might just introduce this by asking this question, Who is the Holy Spirit? And in verse 5, He's called simply the Spirit. In verse 9, He's called the Spirit of God. Also in verse 9, He's called the Spirit of Christ. and usually the idea behind the giving of the holy spirit is that this is the spirit of the ascended risen and throne christ in john 16 jesus told his disciples that he was going to go away and sorrow had filled their heart but he told them in john 16:7 Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is, this is, uh, this is expedient, I think, the way the King James puts it. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So that's the idea, is Jesus, when he was here in the flesh, was limited... Uh, to time and space. He was limited. He could be with his 12 disciples, but there was a difference when he ascended into heaven. Um, in, when he was in the flesh, he got tired. When he was in the flesh, he got hungry. There were simply bodily, physical limitations But in John 17, Jesus prays to the Father and He says, I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. You see, notice... He doesn't say, give me the glory I had with you before I was born. No, he goes back to before the world was created. There was a glory. There was an infinity. A majesty. a, A deity about Jesus. An equality with the Father. And he says, Father, I'm going to ascend. And I pray you will just... Uh, Give me that glory, that power and authority that I had before the world existed. And also before I came and limited myself and laid aside my prerogatives as God. That's why Ephesians 4.10 says it like this. He who descended, that is, came down, is the one who also ascended, that is, went back far above the heavens. That, notice why. That he might fill all things. See, Jesus in the flesh could not fill everyone. He could fill himself. He could be with his disciples. But when he ascended into heaven, he was, the glory was restored to him. His fullness of deity was restored. And now he sends his spirit out and fills every place in all time without any limitation. And everything God is, Jesus is, in every place that he is, and he is every place. <laughs> Don't ask me to repeat that. But but that's exactly the way you would say it. So Jesus gives us His Spirit. That is why it's called the Spirit of Christ. It's also the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of Christ flows from the Father. He is no less in power and might in us you got to think of it, somebody said to me one time that they wished that they could carry Jesus around in their pocket. I think it's better than that right now with us. I think Jesus by his spirit dwells in us. Now what does Paul say about our relationship to the Holy Spirit? And I want to give you three things here. The summary. This is a summary of what Paul says about our relationship, the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit as he Gives it to us in Romans 8. Here's number one. Paul says, every Christian has the Holy Spirit in him. Now, every Christian may not be infilled with the Holy Spirit, but every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans 8, 9. You, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit that is in union with the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Holy Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that you always go around feeling the Holy Spirit, but that when you received Christ, you received Him into your heart, and you received His Spirit into your heart. Now, where does the Spirit reside? Where does He, is He like in your mind, brain? Is the Spirit in your hands, your feet, your heart? Um... And here's an illustration that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. He says, in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, the the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made, 1 Corinthians 12 13, to drink of one spirit. We're all made to drink of one spirit. Have you ever, you know, if you take a drink of water uh, um, and you want to find where did that water go? If you stick your finger, does water come out? If you cut yourself somewhere else, does water come out? No, it's you. water is distributed throughout your body. And it becomes your body. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you became a Christian, you receive Christ, the risen Christ. He filled, He came into every cell of your body and adapted Himself to your humanity. So he's in there. He who raised Jesus from the dead by the Spirit, that Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and quickens and illumines and energizes your mortal body. When Jesus met a leper in Matthew 8, now, leprosy was contagious and they would quarantine them, make them wear a mask on their face and identify themselves publicly. They kept them out of, away from the camp. But Jesus approached a leper and it says, the leper said, if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And, and Jesus did something he didn't have to do. He said, I will, and he cleansed him, but he also, he touched him. He touched him. Now, when Jesus touched the leper, Jesus didn't get the leper's leprosy. The leper got Jesus' energy and power and divinity. It was infused into him. When Jesus walked up to the grave of Lazarus, Lazarus didn't take the life of Jesus and corrupt it. Jesus' life was infused and imparted to Lazarus and Lazarus was raised, his his body was raised up. So that the Spirit, that's what he's talking about here, the Holy Spirit that is in you is in every cell of your body like a drink of water. It's distributed everywhere. And you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's why... Mark 16 says to believers, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, whoa, we don't want to lay hands on the sick. Today, in our, in our climate, you, you might say, okay, you can uh, touch elbows and they'll recover because you, you don't want to get too close to those with coronavirus so or maybe stand at a distance and ask the blessing over them, and they'll recover. No, you lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. We are not to be afraid of the corruption and disease that is in this world. No Christian ought to hide in his house because somebody down the street is sick. Take them some pie. and then sit down and eat it with them I mean I'm not saying be stupid I'm just saying don't be afraid don't be afraid the world is characterized by fear and panic but the Christian is to be characterized by life and peace praise God So when you're dismissed today, I'll be at the door and uh, I'll wave at you as you go by. So. <laughs> well, I ain't saying I'm going to hug and kiss you on the lips. I ain't saying that. But I ain't going to be afraid of you either. Amen. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit that is in me is more powerful than the sickness that is in you or, or in the world. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit in him. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If there was a time in your life when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, he came in by the Holy Spirit. And he came into you like water, like like a drink of water, touching <clears throat> and flowing and contacting every cell in your body, bringing life, passion, energy, thoughtfulness, reason. He restored much that Adam lost. Okay, so that's what Paul says. Paul says every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them The second thing Paul says about the Holy Spirit is that every Christian should mind the things of the Spirit. That is, focus on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. They set their minds on it. Now, see, there's the difference, I think, for a lot of us who have the Holy Spirit, but we don't see much difference. We need to intentionally focus on the things of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Uh, In in, in chapter 8, verse 5. To to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. I think one version has... Instead of setting your mind on, it's you should savor the things of the Spirit. Have you ever been real hungry and walk in and uh, they've got a dinner on, and man, it just smells so good, and you just want to walk o- into the kitchen and walk over, see what it is, take the lid off, you're, you're savoring it. Can't wait. Savor the things of the Spirit. Uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus for the first time announces that he's going to go to the cross. He began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and the third day be raised. Now this is new for Jewish men in the first century that the Messiah and the descendant from David who is to come, deliverer promised in the Old Testament, would be crucified. That's crazy. How can you have a crucified Messiah? And they were expecting the Messiah to be somebody who would come in and he would overthrow the Roman influence in the area, run off the Roman soldiers, and set up his messianic kingdom and government there in Jerusalem. And Peter was hoping that he would be one of those that would sit on the left or the right side of Jesus and rule with him in an earthly nationalistic kingdom. And so Jesus kind of turned that plan on it, on its head when he said uh, guys I'm going to Jerusalem and there I'm going to be crucified so now notice this In Matthew 16 verse 22 he says and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him Ugh. Have you ever rebuked Jesus? Uh, Jesus, that is not something you want to do. Trust me on this. That's not a good plan. (laughs) Maybe we don't come right out like Peter. You know, I mean, he took him aside. He got him by the arms. Would you come with me? Let's have a meeting. (laughs) He's like, man... He took him aside, began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This must never happen to you. He turned, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Wow. Now notice this. For you are not setting your mind. That is the same Greek word used in Romans 8, same construction to set your mind. And Jesus tells Peter, you're you're after ambition, you're wanting position and title and fame, and you're wanting uh, revenge. And he says, you're setting your mind not on the things of God, but of the things of man. So when Paul says in Romans 8, set your mind on the things of the Spirit, he means eternal things. He means the kingdom of God. He means not earthly ambitions, which are so temporary. Not revenge. Not reactions which are so common. Just, we react to rude people. We react to rude people. And Jesus said, that's that's things of the flesh. Anger. Bitterness. and, And Paul says, you have to intentionally focus on what the Holy Spirit who is in you, is telling you to do or to say. Maybe he's not telling you to say anything, then I wouldn't say anything. 1 John 2.16 says, All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride of possession, it is not from the Father, it is from this world. So Paul says, every Christian should mind the things of the Spirit. They should savor the Word of God. They should savor worship. We have one of the most talented teams to lead us in worship. Kevin's voice is one of the just phenomenal voice. And we can come into the presence of God through this worship team savor it get here on time don't be late get in on the worship time so every Christian Paul says every Christian has the Holy Spirit in him and every Christian should mind the things of the Spirit and here's the third thing Paul says every Christian should, can, and should have a deep assurance by the Holy Spirit that he's a Christian. He should have a deep assurance. We can be a Christian and have doubts that we're a Christian. I'd rather have doubts that I'm a Christian and be a Christian than not be a Christian. And never doubt. But it's better to be a Christian and not have a doubt. Paul said every Christian can and should have a deep assurance from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13 and 14. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. When you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit... It gives evidence that you are a child of God. Another way that he gives us assurance is he gives us intimacy with the Father. Look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? Well, that's an intimacy. Intimacy that comes uh, with a, a, when you're like Jesus in, in the gospel of Mark chapter 14 verse 36 when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane he said Lord all things are possible and please remove this cup but if not, not my will thine be done and he called him Abba Father Abba is kind of an intimate term like daddy or something like that. I don't actually like the term daddy for God. Abba means an intimacy with God like Jesus had when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't want to go through with it, but he bowed to the will of the Father. When you are in front of something, and it may be the will of God, you don't want it to be, you don't want to go through it, but... If it's so, if God decrees it, you will trust Him. You'll come out on the other side and love Him and praise Him. Then that's an intimacy with the Father like Jesus had. That's where that comes from. Abba Father. It's a Garden of Gethsemane experience. The Holy Spirit gives you that. The time of greatest suffering will be your time of deepest intimacy with God. Remember the prodigal son in Luke 15 where he took the inheritance from the father and went and spent it all and wasted it. Uh, He was in the pig pen eating out of the hog trough. And one day he... He thought, you know, my father has a table full of good food. I'm going to arise and go to my father. J. Vernon McGee said, no pig ever said, I will arise and go to my father. Amen. You know who says something like that? A son. Who's in a pig pen. But no pig says it. See, you can be in a pig pen, but there's still something in you that says, I'm not like them. I am a son of the Father. And there will come a moment when you will say, I'm going to arise and go to my Father. The Holy Spirit gives you that instinct and distinction. He also assures you by telling you, look at verse 16, He says, "The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The Holy Spirit is a witness with our spirit. A lot of times we ask people if' we're, what do you do you think I'm a Christian and the best a person can do, the best your mama can do, is inform your mind. But the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, the deepest part of us. I'm a child of God. He can tell you. You're, if you're, the spirit of truth won't fib to you. He won't exaggerate. He will tell you you're a Christian. And when he tells you you're a Christian, there's nobody can make you doubt. So every Christian, Paul says, has the Spirit. Every Christian is to mind the things of the Spirit. And every Christian is to listen for the Spirit's deep assurance and comfort. In 1970, I was a... Young preacher in um, Madisonville, Tennessee at Hiawassee College. It's, it's right up there with Harvard. It's closing in. And it's a two-year school. It's a two-year school. So we had to decide where we're going to go to finish the next two years, to graduate from four-year school so i had read and heard that there was a great revival i mean it closed down the whole university it uh, it turned and it changed the whole atmosphere of the town and it was in asbury university in wilmore kentucky and I thought, I want to get in on that." That was in 1970. And the, and the revival spread. When I actually got there, the, the grocery stores play, were playing gospel music. I thought, I've never seen that before." And teams witness teams would go out and over I mean, they even went to Canada and all over the United States, and that revival spread. And it did that for about a year. They closed down the whole campus. There were no classes or anything for a couple of weeks. And so when I got there, that was 1971, the revival had dissipated but, uh, and scattered, but there was a, a young college girl that had been in that revival that was still a student she was majoring in music and her name was Jan and I went to a prayer meeting and she was at that prayer meeting now I did not notice her but she said later I noticed you I said yeah <laughs> <laughs> heck yeah And which I always took as a compliment until this morning. In the early service, I told that story. And she wouldn't let it rest. She couldn't let me have my glory. She came by and she said, you know why I noticed you? No. She said, because you talked a lot. Thanks, but I really like this girl she was what I was looking for in the pastor's wife I even let her drive my new Volkswagen and that was rough I thought for sure she's going to strip the gear she's gonna because she was grinding them trying to get into reverse and i was just i was sweating man girl but i liked her and i pursued her for a couple of years and we finally got married and we've had four kids and 14 grandkids And I would have to say, other than Jesus, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. But, you know, and here's the thing. I never went to Asbury University looking for a wife. I was minding the things of the Spirit. I wanted God. I wanted more of God. I wanted to see God move. And I ended up getting this beautiful young lady to marry me. who I wouldn't have dreamed it. And it's just wonderful, the years of, that I've had with her. But it was because seeking the mind of the Spirit. Jesus said it like this, Seek the first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Guys, don't go looking for hot chicks. Look for the power and grace of God and attach yourself right there. The things of the Spirit, His Word, His kingdom, His people, His presence, His interventions, His answers, His wisdom. Seek that. Everything else will come. Minding the things of the Spirit. Every Christian should, he can, because the Holy Spirit's in him, and every Christian will then have a deep assurance that the Holy Spirit has told them they belong to the Father. I pray that for all of us. Amen. Let's uh, have our time of worship and giving. So ushers, you come and... As you come, I will lead us in prayer. Let's bow together as we pray.